You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in This is the TSR pop where all we do is win It's just football fiends on a mission Delivering opinions of my significance Man, I hope you've been listening Cause scouting is the business You're welcome cause it's a privilege Most people in this position just don't give it away, no so all that's left to say now is welcome to the show Cause you know Jacob and Ball were ready, so let's go What is up, everybody, and welcome back into the TSR Podcast. This week, we will be breaking down all things Baltimore Ravens. Once again, we have brought in another fan to talk about their team. Let's introduce this guy, Jody Lee. I hope you're doing good, man. And you're an extreme Ravens fanatic, and that's in your own words. That's your credentials. <laughs> I love it, man. And, guys, I'm, I'm super excited. We've got a Bengals fan, being me, a Steelers fan, being Bo, and a Ravens fan being Jody on this episode. Things could get a little bit tense. What do y'all think? I think it's, yeah, it could get a little tense, but I think we can all agree that Cleveland can go to hell. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. What are your thoughts on that, Jody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we can all agree Cleveland Browns, an awful team, awful team, always so <laughs> full of themselves every single offseason, you know. But, I mean, for me, to be honest, I've got respect for, you know, on some level or another for all of these teams. Um, I know we were talking about that before we started, so I'm I'm just excited to talk, man. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be friendly. I think it's gonna be mostly friendly. So yeah, yeah. I hope it's gonna be it. friendly, man. It's nice that all three of us rivals can have one thing in common, and that's just hate for the Browns, and that's just fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm glad we can already come together and 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 uh, you know agree on something. Uh, but Jody, I want to jump in about your team, man, and talk about them a little bit. Um, I want to talk about last year, the 2019 season. Um, as a fan, I knew that you couldn't have really – obviously, you could have been happier with the way things ended. Um, but I think as a fan, I would have loved to see my team do the things your team did last year. And I'm, I'm going to go through this a little bit. Um, pretty much everyone knows how awesome it was to watch the Ravens last season. They were probably the most exciting team in the NFL last year. Um, you all finished 14-2, and two, obviously first in the division. Um, unfortunately, you were not able to make a deep playoff run. You all were beaten by the Titans in the divisional round 28-12, to 12, and that's pretty much thanks to Derrick Henry. Um, that guy was just a wrecking ball last year. Um, but this is something crazy, and Jody, I'm sure you know this, but when me and Bo were breaking down the Pro Bowl rosters earlier this year, we kind of jumped out to us. This team had 13 Pro Bowlers and six All-Pros on it last season. That is absolutely absurd to have that amount come from one team. Um, and obviously, another thing on last year's um, Ravens team, Lamar Jackson wins NFL MVP in just his second season in the league, man. So that's just some of the big topics. I want you to talk about what it was like watching your team last year, man, and what the experience was like. Oh, man, Jacob. Um, you, you said a lot of things that I either wrote down or, or if nothing else, wholeheartedly agree with. Um, yes, obviously not the ending you want to see after the kind of season they had. Um, I will be the first to tell you that that 14-2 Ravens team last year looked so good that it was – one of the more shocking ends to a season for a team that looked that good in the regular season that I can personally remember. And maybe, maybe I've got the rose tinted glasses on a little bit. With I agree with that because it is my team. No, I, I, I what, what do you think, Bo? I, yeah. I agree. I mean, I come yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah. Like it's yellow. It's nail on the head. I mean, it's I watching that team play football was so fluid. And so it was, it was, it looked easy. But and it was still just amazing to watch at the same time, which is, you know, if that makes sense to y'all, it's, it, it can be oh. it's so easy for them. You're just floored by it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, and to that point, too, um, I actually didn't write down this data, but I know I've seen it. I mean, they were the most efficient offense yes. easily in the NFL last year. 
like per snap, the points that Lamar Jackson was giving that team. Um, and you even look at per possession. I mean, they, they scored the most points in the NFL last year with, I don't know if it was the least possessions, but I know it was, it was not a whole lot compared to what they scored. And I mean, this is one of these teams that even the data kind of bore out last year that if they had won the Super Bowl, you'd be talking about probably one of the best teams ever for a single oh, season. 100%. And I don't say that as a homer. I don't even say that as a homer. I say that as just the fact that we blew the doors off of so many good teams. I mean, the stretch that they navigated was unreal. Um, so, and that was what was so interesting to me, you know, in terms of going just deep diving a little bit more. They weren't thought of as a contending team by hardly anybody last year, which seems nuts now. Um, the Browns were kind of the hot team of the offseason in the AFC North. <laughs> paper champs. Um, yeah, paper champs yeah, paper every champ. year, year <laughs> after year after woeful, pathetic year. I do feel bad for their fans, but I don't at the same time. Um, <laughs> Steelers still had Big Ben, great defense on paper, even before the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, they just weren't getting talked about. And I, I heard plenty of people say, hey, who's going to be last in the division, Baltimore or Cincinnati, which I thought was nuts. Because, I mean, that, that was just outlandish. I don't yeah, know. It doesn't they, even make sense. They went to the playoffs last, the year before yeah. under Jackson. You know, and well, yeah, I could have answered that question didn't. for you. I would have told you Cincinnati 10 times out of 10. Yeah. 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 I think that, that I can't believe believe it wasn't a unanimous decision by the networks uh you know since cincinnati before no offense jacob it's just the way you saw that season oh hey out. man I, i'm not a, i'm not a fair weather fan i'll take it as it comes yes <laughs> um but but yeah so so that's the thing too is you know it all centers around lamar jackson and that's where it kind of stopped and, and started for a bunch of analysts predicting the season um no one really thought lamar would improve enough as a passer everybody called the offense a gimmick said the the Chargers, you know, on their second meeting in a, in a few weeks, had just figured them out, you know. Um, and and what I want to just kind of mention briefly is this: this is over, this prevailing notion that so many people in the NFL and a lot of old old heads in the NFL just using these past models for future outcomes. So there's still this notion that an athletic running QB and a pocket QB can't exist in the same body, and and that's. That's honestly what I really enjoyed the most about 2019 is Lamar Jackson just telling these doubters, Bill Pauline, to just shut <laughs> up. Just I shut love up. It. This guy can play football, you know, and, and um, I've been a Ravens fan since after the 2000 season. So, I mean, and I was talking about this beforehand, but I, I tuned into every game of the Joe Flacco era. So love the guy to death. Amazing Super Bowl run. But I watched some woefully boring offensive football under him some years. And um, I, I had just been begging to the football gods for a couple of months before that 2018 draft for us to take a shot on Lamar. And I'm not saying I told anybody anything, you know, by any means in terms of him having success. I didn't know if he would pan out. I had no idea. Yeah, how good did you, how good did you think Lamar Jackson would be when he was taken? Did you ever think he would be a league MVP? Well, I'll put it to you this way, Bo. I, I was ready to run a naked lap around my apartment because uh, I had a buddy of mine joking the whole time who's a Clemson fan, that we'd be taking Hayden Hurst, this old redheaded tight end, no offense to anybody, but this, I mean, just a bland pick. And who you ended up, Carolina. did take. And then we took him. Yeah, I mean, he's harassed me. I was like, not going to happen. We're getting Lamar. We're getting Lamar. And then it happened. And I mean, you want to talk about low point for me. I was like, here we go. We blew it. We missed. We missed on some guys that we could have had. Then we get this tight end, you know, that I'm not super enthused about. And then we're, we're not getting Lamar. Somebody else is going to take him. Um, and, and, and Bo, I had no idea how this guy was going to pan out. I mean, no, and I, I'm not trying to take credit for that because there's no credit to be taken whatsoever. 
you know, no idea he would ever win MVP. But I just couldn't think of a quarterback more opposite of Joe Flacco than Lamar Jackson. Crazy fast. A 100%. Super athletic. Yeah. Different, North, man. North and South Pole for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and talking about Lamar Jackson, man, I want to talk about him a little bit. And then, you know, how can you talk about the Ravens without just kind of keying in on this guy? I'm going to run you guys through some stuff about Lamar Jackson, just kind of and let the listeners kind of figure out how good this guy's second year transition really was. Um, now, I'm going to come out and say this. Lamar Jackson might have had one of the craziest second year jumps ever, in my opinion. Um, and he didn't even play bad in his first year. He really didn't. Um, so let's compare the numbers from his rookie season to his second year. In his rookie year, he started seven games. He went six and one, 58% completion percentage, um, 1,200 passing yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions, had almost 700 rushing yards, five touchdowns. The, his rating was 84 and a half. Now let's look at the second year. He starts all 16 games. He goes 14 and two. This guy in two years has only lost three games. He goes 14 and two. He raises that 58% completion percentage to 66, which ends up being eighth in the NFL. He has 3,100 passing yards, 36 passing touchdowns, which is a franchise record. He has six interceptions, 36 to six ratio, 1,200 rushing yards, which sets an NFL record as well. And then has seven rushing touchdowns on top of that. That's all per pro football reference. I mean, my man came out and broke Michael Vick's rushing record after setting the franchise record with passing touchdowns. And this guy was seen as anybody, you know, talking about stuff you were talking about, Jody, of people saying this guy will not pan out. They came out saying this guy's got no shot in the NFL. This guy is not mm-hmm. a passer. And this guy, they just, he just came out like a like a like a ball out of a cannon and just blew up the league. And I think every week, and I think y'all will agree with me on this, every week he won up to the crazy play he had the week before. And I, I know one of them, one of the one that sticks out my mind, uh, my mind is, is when he, they hit that he had that spin move on the Bengals, and he just took off downfield and hit that nasty spin move. But yeah. it was so much fun oh, to yeah. watch. And what made it even more fun to watch for me. Um, was the fact that big names around the league, like I said, said that Lamar wouldn't succeed at the next level. And I absolutely loved watching him prove them wrong. And that's coming from a Bengals fan, man. I mean, I was oh, yeah. I, I hate the Ravens. Oh, you, you, and can't I come hate, out, you can't hate on him. You can't stop his shine. You just can't. I don't know. <laughs> if, if you hate on Lamar, you're a born and bred hater for just – you hey. hate on everything. Hey, big trust, man. Big trust. I mean, it's um, too fun to watch to hate. It's like the Mike Vick. It's the Mike Vick effect. It is. It's like it is. Oh, yeah. No one hated Mike Vick like that. It's because he was. You you turn on Madden. You're playing with the Falcons back then. Right now, if I picked up Madden, I'd probably oh, pick the Raiders. One hundred. You know what I'm saying? Well, like you're not stopping that guy. Like <laughs> absolutely not. It's, it's just that effect. If you're hating on him, you're just a, your job in life is to hate. If that's well, you. let me tell you this. Let me break out some more stats to explain just how good. Lamar Jackson was last year at passing. <gasps> Gasp, right? But let's look at how good this guy was at passing. Lamar led the league in touchdown passes from the pocket with 25. Mm-hmm. He also led the NFL with 24 touchdown passes against the Blitz. That is ahead of Jameis Winston, who had 14. Lamar Jackson had 10 more touchdowns than the second guy behind him um, against the Blitz uh, with touchdown passes. And Russell Wilson at 13. That's per Sports Sports Illustrated. And like I just said, he led the league in touchdown passes from the pocket with 25. That was ahead of Drew Brees. That was ahead of guys like Russell Wilson. That's ahead of guys like Aaron Rodgers. People just did not give this guy the credit, and the numbers speak for themselves. But I have to ask you guys this. I have two questions for my co-host and this Ravens fan. Number one, 
What was more exciting? What was I'll put it to you this way. What was a more exciting season by a quarterback? The 2018 season by Patrick Mahomes or the 2019 season by Lamar Jackson? And try not to let recency bias slip in. Uh, the reason I brought the 2018 Mahomes season is the guy was throwing it left-handed sometimes. He was doing things that looked absolutely yeah, impossible. Yeah, no-look passes. Yeah, no-look passes. And then you have Lamar Jackson next year come out and break Vic's record, do things I've That's- personally – it's been a long time since I've seen done on a football field. I want to ask yeah. you, which one was more exciting to you guys? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's just a t- that's a tough question because they looked so different. You were just kind of touching on that. Is that is that Mahomes was doing? You know, the, he has that baseball arm. You know, I mean, he just you, he was doing things with the football or throwing the football that we just I don't think we've ever seen talent wise in my lifetime. I mean, it was it was truly unbelievable. It was so much fun to watch. It was another one of those. It was the Mike Vick effect, I guess you could say for him too. You you couldn't hate Patrick Mahomes. You'd, every Chiefs game, you had to at least have it cut on. You know what I mean? You could you could be paying attention to another one if you have like re, you know uh, the Sunday ticket or something. But you had to you had to have the Chiefs game on. It was always on on the four o'clock game. You know here on the East Coast or or in prime time. I mean, it was just must must watch football. Um, but I think. Which are you asking? Which one's more impressive? Is that what the question? What was a more here? fun season it, to watch by I, quarterback? I'd say Lamar Jackson's was more fun because of the yardage on the ground, um, just the just the dual threat. I mean, to the mm-hmm. absolute maximum. I mean, just he like you said, he threw up great great numbers through the air and showed you that he took a step in his in his passing game too. Is that not only was one. he good, but he he showed you that he can grow, and that is just that's insane. You know what I mean? That means that's how you know you're hitting on a guy is when he is actually taking steps and getting better at things that he was that he was, I guess, you know, given criticism on. You know, he's taking that stuff. He's not complaining about it or fighting with people in the media or sending out subtweets. He's just putting in the work. So I'd say I'd say Lamar. I mean, just and I'm trying not to let recency bias get there. But like, I I think y'all are going to probably agree, you know, I. I absolutely agree, Bo, and, you know, shocker, right, Ravens fan. But, I mean, (laughs) man, you're talking about – and this is not to take anything away from Patrick Mahomes. Um, I mean, if you were projecting their careers, who's the safer bet at this point? It's obviously Mahomes. I love Lamar to death. But if you're talking about just single seasons, I mean, this is one of the greatest MVP seasons there's ever been, and I think most people would agree on that. Um, Only a second-ever unanimous MVP you know, next to Tom Brady. That says it all. Um, it says it all. It really does. And, and the guy's the youngest MVP since Jim Brown. You know, yeah. so, I mean, you're talking about a young guy. I mean, he just turned 23 a few months that's ago. That's, that's unbelievable. A, he's younger than Joe Burrow. You know, and I know that's been yeah, stated before. Absolutely. But for them to say that this guy can't grow as a passer, and, and so that was the thing. It was the electricity on the ground. I mean, he had pro football focus, his best rushing grade ever for a QB and best of even any runner in 2019. Um, I think it was like a 90 and a half. And what was so cool for me is there's all this talk about guy can't throw, guy can't throw. Yeah, he's a great runner. We'll give him that, but he's not a quarterback. Lamar comes out week one, and, and, and I don't care how bad the Miami Dolphins roster was at that point. You come out at 22 years old. You toss five touchdown passes in three quarters against an NFL defense. He only rushed the ball a few times. Perfect QB rating led to the famous post, you know, post game phrase of not bad for a, a running back, you know. But <laughs> if you do that in three quarters, it was 59 to 10 by the end of the game. Well, you can I'm play quarterback in this league. I'm going to level quarterback. I think when that game happened, and I don't know about Bo, 
But, you know, I watched that entire game because, you know, it's it's one of the first games of the season. And, you know, everyone's glued to the TV. They're ready for NFL football. Yeah. And I watched that game. And I was like, you know, what in the hell is happening right now? I was like, <laughs> I was like, I mean, are the Dolphins that bad, or has Lamar Jackson just all of a sudden become the best quarterback in the league? You know, over the off season, I was like, what in the hell is that's, going that on? Is, and that is exactly what it just happened. And, and Lamar I was like, become the best. And you know, I was like, well, maybe they're just drawing up simple plays, and, and I don't know, he's hitting on them, and you just kept going through the game, and he just kept making smart, smart decision after smart decision, and he was just ripping them a new one. And I was like, well, you know, he won't be able to follow that up. Like, you know, I was like, well, that's a great game but you know let's 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 temper our expectations here and then it just kept happening it just kept happening week after week and i was like dude this guy is on an absolute roll but let me get to my second question here guys is and i'm gonna give you my rankings but my question to both of you is lamar jackson really already a top three quarterback in the league already has he come in and in his second year said i'm the i'm a top three quarterback in the league and i'm gonna give you my rankings if you guys want to sit and think about yours Okay, you don't have to give me rankings, but you can just answer the question if you want to. But I'm going to run through my rankings. And, Bo, these are the same rankings that I had on an earlier podcast when we talked about the top five quarterbacks heading into next season. And I, I think gave we up. both I think we both agreed on this thing. Yeah. I think, we've had, I think we had the same top five. So so my number one is Mahomes, obviously, followed by Russell Wilson. Number three is Lamar Jackson. So I say, yes, he is a top yeah. three quarterback in the league. Number four is Aaron Rodgers. Um, and he can make me look stupid at times with that. Um, but then number five is a tie between Drew Brees and Deshaun Watson. Uh, but Jody, I want to ask you, man, and you know, I know it's. Um, I, I don't think you're going to sound biased in any way if you say, "Yeah, he is," because I, I agree. But you think he's the top three quarterback in the league right now? If he's not, he's very close. And and I think it's interesting. You said you know Mahomes and then Russell Wilson and then Lamar. I think my ranking personally would probably be very very close, if not the exact same top three. And you know, just to be completely honest, despite you know my my clear allegiances, it's not whether or not he can play quarterback in the league necessarily because he just did it on this amazing level last year. But he is such a different kind of quarterback, and so it's almost hard to evaluate because we still really don't know. In a sense that the question is not. Did Lamar Jackson prove a lot of doubters wrong last year? And did he not improve as a passer last year, given all the, you know, um, easier paths to passing the football that he gets because he is such a prolific runner already? Um, but the real question becomes, can he do it again? And yeah, then can that, he do that it is again the question. After and, and that. Something yeah. that me and Bo talked about at one time, Jody, and I'm sure you've given thought to this too, is um, – how long can he play like this if he keeps running? We see what happened with Cam Newton. Cam Newton yeah. was – at the time he came in the league and over the time he was in the league, uh, obviously he still is, but, um, you know, with the Panthers, this guy was the biggest physical freak in the league. I mean, he just was. This guy was was a, I don't know, a 6'6". I don't even know what the guy weighs. Um, and, and, you know, was, was fast on his feet, huge arm. I mean, the guy was just an animal. And But you see the hits took a toll after a while. And I will say this for Lamar. Lamar is much more elusive than Cam, but exactly. he's still going to take hits. Um, and, and that's something, you know, he's going to have to, as time goes on, he's going to have to rely more and more on that arm, which clearly at this point doesn't look like an issue. Yeah, it but, looks like he's capable of it. it, it looks just, like he's, I think know. what might it might not be that he can't that he can't lean on that arm because he has the arm and he has these ability to read the defense, but taking away the run is that's his play style we're talking about. It's going to change how he goes through a game. 
You know and what I'm I mean? Ta- and, yeah, and so I'm that's like, where it's, you know, that's where it's going to come. Oh, and it's, it's going to change the defenses he sees. That's kind of yeah, what it I was, is. It is. that's kind of what I was talking about a yeah. moment ago is that he does benefit. And part of the reason that passing attack was so prolific last year and, and, and if not prolific, efficient. I mean, it was so, so, so efficient. I mean, you're talking about the first team in NFL history. I mean, they broke the rushing yards record, but then you're talking about the first team in NFL history to rush for over 200 yards a game and pass for over 200 yards a game in the same season, which, I mean, you want to talk about So balanced. balanced. Yeah, that's so, so balanced. That's, a, that's so, the dictionary next to balanced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like 206 to 201 or something. I mean, so you really can't do much better than that. And so that's what the question becomes is, Maybe perhaps as he runs less, as he gets older, as the threat of him running, as he loses that 4-3 speed, as he loses, you know, uh, greatest miles per hour crossing the line of scrimmage in the NFL last year. I think it was like 13, 13.73, um, average like 6.9 yards a carry. As he loses those highlight real jock straps just left burning on the field to so many guys, as he loses that like, man amongst boys athleticism when he starts to really lose that which every athlete inevitably does will he be a good enough passer to have maybe say a 14 or 15 year career with the ravens where he becomes probably the greatest raven of all time and this if he keeps this up or does he have a a six, seven, eight-year career where it's like Cam Newton at what around thirty years old, where he's he's the future is unknown. Yeah, exactly. That, you hit the nail on the head, man. It's it, that's the question with mobile quarterbacks. That that's what it is. Is can these guys? You know, a lot of mobile quarterbacks. That I would say. Well, I'm trying to think. Most mobile quarterbacks. You would look at Russell Wilson as like a mobile quarterback. I would say he's mobile, but he, he's more of a passer than he is mobile, right? Um, exactly. I think Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson were the only two quarterbacks in a while since Vic that were like, okay, this guy is just as good um, as a runner as he is a passer. And, um, or either he may even be better as a runner than he is a passer, but it's not by much. But, you know, it, it's can he rely on that arm after? If he takes a bad injury, if he messes a knee up, can he rely on that arm and still lead a team? Um, and, you know, a big thing I was going to say is with defenses, Every defense in the league has been watching that game film, the Titans, um, mm-hmm. from the, the Titans-Ravens game, just to oh, figure yeah. out how to stop. I, and, I and they're all going to be trying Ravens to do the same. Film, I guarantee you Ravens film has been some of the most watched film in for these coaches so far where they've been cooped up at their house with all their homework they're given from the head coach or whatever that each guy's you know, tasked with breaking down and, and having a plan for and grading guys. I guarantee you Ravens film has been all over the we're all over the league. Oh, been, it's the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the 49ers. That's yeah. what it is. It's the, the same teams that are right it's, it's the two teams that are in the Super Bowl <laughs> and then the hardest team to defend in the league. That's the three teams it is yeah. every year. And those mm-hmm. are the teams. And the Ravens, I would say, are maybe even more watched than the, the guys who just won the Super Bowl. Um, but guys, I do want to move on here. We, I could sit here for two days and talk about Lamar Jackson and how much I'm impressed with him and talking about his stats. But I do want to move on to something here about your team, Jody. I want to talk about the key free agency ads you guys had and the guys you lost in free agency. Um, and I'm going to go through, I have three, just three big name guys, and then I'm going to let you give me some guys I missed or touch on them. Okay. Sure. So 
The first guy is the guard, DJ Fluker. Um, this guy started 14 games for Seattle last year and played pretty well. Um, I think he's an awesome addition for the team. And obviously, y'all just lost a huge part of the offensive line, and we'll get to that loss in a minute. Um, but I like the ad, and I think he'll fit well into the Ravens' scheme. Also, y'all picked up Edge, uh, Derek Wolf. I think he is a huge get. Derek Wolf is a really good player when he's on the field. The problem is, is he runs when he's on the injury field. issue. Yeah, when he <laughs> yeah. runs it, wait, when he's on the field. Um, he had 34 tackles, seven sacks, and one forced fumble in 13 games last year, which isn't too bad. He did suffer a dislocated elbow in week 13, which put him out for the year. And then maybe the biggest one, uh, Calais Campbell. <laughs> literally. This, this guy, the biggest one, yeah, literally. Uh, 31 and a half sacks in three years with the Jags is pretty damn good. And, I, and now he's bringing that to the Ravens. I yeah. love that. And, I, you know, they got him with great value. I've never seen when, when me and Bo saw that trade go through. Bo was like, how did they just get Calais Campbell for yeah. what they gave up? That is well, absolutely a fifth-round fifth <laughs> pick. I was like, my God, what are, what are you people doing in the league? This is after the Deshaun, you know, um, um, DeAndre Hopkins left for literally nothing. To go to, and I, I'm not trying to disrespect David Johnson, but it, it, it just, they ripped, you know, the Arizona Cardinals ripped the, oh, the Texans and O'Brien. And, and literally, they, I was just like, what is going on in the league? Are there just discounts being handed out? I don't understand what's going on, but. I can't wait to see this guy in black and purple. He fits perfectly in that defense, man. Calais Campbell is going to fit right in in Baltimore. Um, but I want to hear you talk about it. Are those the, the guys you pretty much had in mind, or uh, do you have another guy you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of additions and subtractions. Um, I think you got to start, um, with additions-wise at least, with Calais Campbell. Again, like you said, think about this. Um, Hayden Hurst was essentially dealt – for J.K. Dobbins, yeah. who I know Bo is seasoned about, and Calais <sighs> Campbell, our third tight end, first round pick, former, you know, whatever. That's fine. We yeah. we messed up in a sense, or you could just say we drafted Mark Andrews. But you're talking about a third round, you know, our our, our third tight end, a guy that's probably not going to get re-signed down the road because we've got a Mark Andrews already, we've got a Nick Boyle already. We flipped them for Calais, essentially Calais Campbell and J.K. Dobbins. And it's to me, that's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, Calais Campbell, I was racking my brain to try to figure out. I mean, forget the fact that he's an elite run defender. Walter Payton, man of the year last year. Just a high character guy, you know, which is nice because we've lost Eric Weddle. We've lost Terrell Suggs. You know, we've lost uh, now Marshall Yonda. C.J. Mosley is another one throwing. A lot of veteran leadership has left this team. Um, in the last couple of years. So you get that aspect. But I was racking my brain. I was like, when was the last time we had a guy on the line, like a, a guy flexible that can play the three, play the five tech, that has the pass rush impact that Calais Campbell has the potential to have, even at, even at soon, I think he's going to be, if not already, 34 years old, but still productive in that way. And I had to go all the way back to my head. I mean, maybe somebody will come back later and correct me. To Trevor Price, when I first started watching the Ravens, I don't know if that name rings a bell to you guys at all, Absolutely. but a big, yeah, big lengthy, you know, D lineman that that I think had like 12, 13 sacks from that position. Baltimore has, aside from putting Terrell Suggs in the dirt and having him be like a hybrid D end outside linebacker, <laughs> we haven't had a guy hand down that can have that kind of impact. So to add him, add Derek Wolf, who had a season high seven sacks last year in his career before he got hurt. That was the big problem. Can he stay healthy? Um, it's hard to overlook that we we probably could have had Michael Brockers, and then that fell through. 
Um, so I loved his durability, maybe not the same pass rush potential, but you know, Derek Wolf's injury history does concern me a little bit, but you still love the addition. Um, and then DJ Fluker, obviously road grader. He's a stopgap. Baltimore loves to add guys before and after the draft to kind of at least just put a guy, put a guy that you feel decent about at every position and then don't draft for need. Take the best available player, wait for those post draft cuts and then pick up a guy like Fluker who, you know, is he a great pass protector? That's probably a weakness of his, you know, but but as far as a pure mauler in the run game. I mean, who, who's going to value a guy higher than that in the league right now? Maybe aside yeah. from the 49ers and a guy, and then a team like Baltimore that that lost a, a titan of a player in Marshall Yonda. Well, that's um, what I was going to say yeah. about Fluker, man. I mean, my God, that's a perfect ad. I mean, yeah. to get him on the, probably the most run-heavy team in the league, and you get a guy that just mauls people. I mean, gets up to the second level and just mauls. I mean, it was just such a good ad. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and then real quickly, just to talk about departures, um, aside from Marshall Yonda, the two that come to mind, there's other guys that Ravens fans might expect me to talk about that I'm not going to talk about. I would mention Hayden Hurst only because Greg Roman loves tight ends so much. We need three tight ends in this offense. It's not super certain where that's going to come from. We can kind of talk about that later when we talk about draft stuff. But, you know, if, if Mark Andrews goes down, uh, that's going to be a massive loss. And he was a little nicked up last year. We've got Nick Boyle, who's one of the best, you know, tight ends for blocking-wise in the league. And he caught some passes, but he is not a Mark Andrews type of game changer in the past game. Um, so that's one to monitor. And I, and I do think that trade was good for both teams at the end of the day. I think Hayden Hurst is going gonna, is gonna to do pretty well down Atlanta with Matt Ryan in that passing game. And then the other one I would, I would point out that in particular that I think people might not expect and Bo, you probably know this guy, James Hurst, um, tackle out of UNC from several years back that came and served as our backup offensive tackle, kind of a swing tackle. He played some yeah. guard. He played some left tackle when he needed to fill in for injuries. Um, we have really no idea who's going to man either left or right tackle if Ronnie Stanley or Orlando Brown Jr. go down with an injury. So that's, that's the one big one that really concerns me, too. I love this team and its depth chart, but that's one of the biggest question marks for me is can our depth be tested there? And and, and not a ton of teams have a great backup tackle. I literally don't know who it is. I, I have no clue who it is. I mean, maybe it's Andre Smith, but I mean, a lot of people think he's not going to make the team. So that's just quickly one that I would, I would point out too. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited about Campbell and Derek Wolf. Um, they, they accomplished Baltimore accomplished so many things by picking up those two guys. Hopefully they can win better with some four-man rushes. You're talking about a team that that rushed the passer on nearly 55% of the rushes last year, which is an outrageous amount. We, had, yeah. we were 21st in sacks. I think it was like 37 or 34. Yeah. That's awful considering how much you're rushing the passer. So we have some unproven guys at outside linebacker after Matthew Judon. Um, Judon needed some help. So to get some guys on the line that can hopefully affect the pass rush. So you you hope what happens basically is that Baltimore can either be, drop the blitz rates. Excuse me. Are the Ravens they're going to start two rookies at linebacker this year? You think? Uh, yeah. One of them's definitely starting. I know Patrick Queen should I, start, but but what's up? Do you think Malik Harrison's going to get the start? I think he's, he's going to play a we, lot. We'll talk about this a little later. I think you know in terms of breaking down the draft picks, but I think he's definitely going to play. They hope he can step in and play. I think you're mainly going to be seeing Patrick Queen and, and LJ Fort initially mm-hmm. um, and to a large extent, but I do think that Malik's going to have a, a, a larger role. But basically what I wanted to end with, you know, is if, if Baltimore can drop the blitz rate and let a loaded, like loaded secondary 
yeah. cover or just have a more effective blitzing, you know, scheme and, and packaging overall. That's a huge boon to what was already a top five defense last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and also, you know, I think it's pretty clear what the priority for the Baltimore has been this offseason. 195 yards in the playoffs with Derrick Henry. I mean, do, yeah. do you need to say any more than that? I mean, Tannehill, yeah. Tannehill didn't even eclipse 100 yards. He dropped back to pass like 14 times. Um, and, and Baltimore didn't allow a ton of rushing yards, but they allowed 4.4 yards per carry, yeah, which that's was not hurts, great. Man. Which was um, not great. So you got to, you got to, you really got to shore that part. I of think they, they know up. they're going to they're going to run back into the Titans again, going down the line next year. Uh, so. I can't wait, I Jody. I was going to wait. I was going to tell you, Matt. Another guy I want to add to the losses for you is, and this may be kind of surprising, seeing as you'll kind of already have his replacement in there with Chuck Clark, but Tony Jefferson. I yeah. think that was a still big a free loss. agent. He's still he's a free agent. Up. It's all because of the knee injury, man. He tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Tony Jefferson. He's an unbelievable safety at coming downhill and helping him run support. Yeah. Really, really good at that. One of the better tacklers in the league, I, I think at least. Um, but he was a staple for the secondary. And I, you know, he was a stud for Baltimore during his stint with them. I mean, he was he was a big part of that secondary being so good. And Jody, something else I want to talk about that me and Bo have talked about a whole lot that is so special about the Ravens team and the way their defense is, is pretty much made up is you a lot of teams look at look at where all the money goes in free agency. Mm-hmm. Everyone pays big money for edge rushers, right? They they pay that big mm-hmm. money for the edge rushers, the guys that can get to the quarterback. But Baltimore did something really unique with the way they built their defense. They built it so you know most teams go from front to the back. They pay their big money up front. They they put most of their focus up front, and then they go to the back into the secondary the baltimore went from the secondary to the front they they went from back to front and and spent high draft picks and spent their money in the secondary and then moved up and they just got guys that are that are capable rushers and stuff like that to get pressure on the quarterback and it it showed how good that defense was the way they built it like that and i just always thought that was unique and i love that about your team man the way they did that but like i said the only guy i wanted to add to that was tony jefferson and he was a big part of that the way they built that that defense but guys we, we've been talking about the the draft class a little bit i mean not the draft class we're gonna talk about the draft class we've been talking about the, the ads and the losses so let's talk about the 2020 draft class Bo and myself this was the first year me and him got to watch it together after having the podcast so much fun we we were jumping and raving around about some of the picks, and we couldn't believe some of the picks that happened. So I, yeah. I want to jump in to this draft, and I'm just going to go through the list real quick of the of the picks that you guys had, uh, Jody. So round one, obviously, y'all got the guy that I think any team hurting at linebacker would have loved to get. Y'all back, got Patrick Queen. Yeah. Round two, y'all get Bo's guy, J.K. Dobbins, running back at Ohio. Very unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. <laughs> Bo, I thought very Bo was going to highly, throw highly, up. highly unfortunate. I thought House. Bo was absolutely going to throw. And up. it's not, it's not that the Ravens got him; it's that we passed. Yeah, and y'all then passed. they got him. Yeah, and then yeah, mm-hmm. so it was, it was just a, a double, I'm gonna, double. I have to mute my mic and just scream for a minute. <laughs> um, round, and round three, y'all oh, took man. defensive lineman Justin Matabuki out of Texas A&M. I was a huge fan of him, and I'll get to him in a minute. Round three, y'all got a great guy for y'all's offensive scheme. Devin Dubernay, wide receiver oh, yeah. out of Texas. I love that get, man. Again, we'll get Me to that. Me too, man. Round Me three, too. linebacker Malik Harrison out of Ohio State. Round three, guard Tyree Phillips, which is, a, which is an interesting get. I actually like Phillips a lot. But my favorite, one of my favorite picks in the draft, and especially for your team, was in round four, y'all getting guard uh, Ben Bredesen. I love that guy, oh, yeah. man. Uh, round five, y'all took defensive lineman Broderick Washington. Round six, you took another guy that Bo loves, James Proach. Another one. 
Another You're welcome, one. Bo. Another one. And then in round seven, y'all took safety Geno Stone, who Bo also was kind of – he liked Geno <laughs> Stone the way he played. <laughs> So um, I, I absolutely love this draft class. Like Bo said during the draft, and this is what I say constantly, and I, and I just cite it to Bo. Whenever I say it, I cite it to my co-host. Eric DaCosta is the next big thing, and he's absolutely right. Bo couldn't have said yeah. anything more right. Eric DaCosta is the next big thing in the league. He makes unbelievably good decisions. It, it, oh, it's, yeah. He never misses. It, it, and, it's really and, impressive. And to touch on him a little bit, what, what we were, we were, you know, we're discussing that you know, Derek Wolf and his injury issues uh, that, have, that have come up in the past, and then we were talking about Clayus Campbell being on the D-line now, and he's a little bit of an – he's an older player, and people don't really talk about him and his age very much, but he's definitely an older player. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? I mean, he's 33. 30. I mean, that's not, yeah. yeah you know what I mean? But like for a, for a DN, I mean, that's getting up there. And, you know, but with Eric DaCosta, you, you know that those guys and these draft picks were thoroughly vetted. You know what I mean? You can, Absolutely. you can, you could probably rest your head at night, at least, at least knowing that Eric DaCosta thinks that Derek Wolf is healthy and can play and contribute this year. You know what I mean? If Eric DaCosta so, says it's going to happen, I believe him. Yeah. So, so it exactly. makes, you know, we're, this is just kind of off topic from the draft picks, but you could kind of sleep better at night knowing that he's vetted these guys and he wouldn't bring in some guy that just isn't going to be able to play because of injury. You know, he's going to make sure that their doctors are, are, you know, checked it out and that the other team's doctors have given their reports to him. I mean, they're going to, they're going to make sure the homework's done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point, you know, I mean, I, I'm his track record is short, you know, because I mean, this transition only happened, you know, last year was Eric DaCosta's first full off season at the helm as Ravens GM. And, um, he really combined this pragmatism of the Ozzie Newsome era. Cause I mean, the guy learned, he came in as a scout and I want to say maybe 2000. I mean, he's been learning from Ozzie Newsome for almost two decades. You're talking yeah. about a Hall of Fame GM that drafts Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis with his first two draft picks. I mean, could not ask for a better mentor um, and really blended this this pragmatism with some forward thinking, some more data, some things like that. So, you know, you guys are absolutely right. Um, Baltimore's got a lot of young guys they got to pay in the next few years. So what does Baltimore do? Well, they do one of the things that they do best in this draft. They make a lot of picks and always build for the future. Um, mm-hmm. They've had the most comp picks historically. Um, and, and I got to say, DeCosta was visibly upset last year without a second round pick that we lost in that Lamar trade um, from the last <laughs> Ozzie Newsom draft. And so now you're talking about a 14-2 football team that ended up picking six times in the first three rounds. And um, I, I just hats off to Eric DeCosta. And one thing I want to mention, too, off of that is what the theme of, of his has been, truly, since he, he kind of took over. Um, Go back to Al Davis, who was completely mocked for making picks like, and, and I'm sure you remember, Maryland, Darius Hayward Bay, Nebraska, <laughs> Fabian Washington. In his later years, these guys that are, you know, gym short, you know, junkies, you know, that they yeah. can fly at the combine. And, and he got ridiculed for that. But we're also talking about Hall of Fame owner and GM. So I think he was recognizing that some things really are uncoachable, like athleticism. And in DeCosta's case, speed, because you look at a guy like Bill Belichick and he doesn't say what what let's talk about all the things this guy can't do, what his limitations are. Well, what can he do for us? And what Eric DeCosta, I think, has done, and he's addressed it early, you know, with with Hollywood Brown, um, you know, and then obviously we've got Lamar Jackson, but he's using mid-round picks for traits. And really that early trait in particular that I've noticed is speed. And Daniel Jeremiah, before I, you know, as I was kind of meditating on the same thing, probably before me, 
who knows the Ravens really well, amazing, you know, analyst. He said before they even drafted Hollywood Brown, this these guys are building a track team. And and if yeah. you look at it, Hollywood four three forty, Miles Boykin third round pick out of Notre Dame last year, wide receiver four four two, Justice Hill fourth round running back last year four four. J.K. Dobbins, I, don't, I couldn't really find his, but I know in high school he, he tracked a four four four. Devin Duvernay out of Texas, um, four three nine. Lamar Jackson, four threes. So I mean, we're kind of in. You know, you guys mentioned the the three Titan teams in a sense earlier of, of Baltimore, Chiefs, and then Forty ers Baltimore is doing this amazing blend of the two philosophies of those two teams, and having a a team that can punch you in the mouth running the football, but can spread out and, and you are sweating about the speed that they have too. So I, I think what DaCosta has been doing is absolutely brilliant. I never question anything he does. Is he going to make a mistake at some point? Absolutely. But I love the guy. <laughs> I would not want anyone else in charge of this football team. Yeah. I mean, we, if you're going to, for all the big hits, he like he does get, you know, the hits on players that he's going to have some misses. I mean, that's just the name of the game. That's, that's football. These, the, all these guys at the end of the day are a dart throw until you, until, you know, until, you know, until they get out on the field, until they play snaps in the NFL, until you have, you know, two, three years of, of homework on these guys, you know what I mean? Especially the guys in the top five rounds, you have to give them time to play out. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Just why I hate draft grades so much. Well, exactly. let's talk about let's talk about these guys, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of my rundown, though. And uh, Jody, I'm gonna let y'all like I'm gonna go through, let y'all see into my mind what I thought about these picks in round one. And like you know, me and Bo were huge fans of Patrick Queen. Yeah. The the biggest thing is y'all got an unbelievable athlete with this guy and linebacker. But Patrick Queen is an amazing. Reminds athlete. me a lot of Devin Bush. He does, man. He really, just, really does. And I was always so mad. Always so mad about Devin Bush going to the Steelers or a linebacker like that because what do the Bengals need? We have got to get linebackers, and it was just so hard to watch a guy like Devin Bush go to the Steelers. And it's it's hard to watch a guy like Patrick Queen go to the uh, – and obviously we got Joe Burrow, but it's hard to watch a linebacker like Patrick Queen go to the Ravens because that's what we need. He's a little bit undersized, but so was a guy, Bo, that came out of my favorite team – Roquan Smith from Georgia, a little yeah. bit undersized, but he's still oh, yeah. a, still a dog, man. He's undersized a little bit, but he he he's great at sideline to sideline speed, and that's what's looked for in NFL day. Like you were talking about, Jody, these guys got speed now. That's what coaches look for. You got to have guys that can run these guys down, and he's good in coverage, which is what is something the Ravens ask from their linebackers. You got to be a good yeah, tackler, get sideline oh, yeah. to sideline, but you big better not time. be a Better not be a liability in coverage, and that's why Patrick Queen fits. Perfectly. The Ravens, the Ravens run a lot of the, like the combo blitzing, where they got guys drop it into zone coverage, and they and 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 you know blitz multiple players. So I mean, you, you got to be able to, you got to as much as you have the speed to get to the quarterback, you got to be able to back up and get on somebody. Absolutely. And in round two, Bo, let's talk about your guy, man, um, Jody. Y'all got a top three running back in this class in Dobbins. I can't wait to see how they use Dobbins, and I think he's going to fit perfectly into the Ravens' run heavy scheme. And I think mm -hmm. it's, I think you, you could pretty much go ahead and put. Dobbins Robbins is a lock for the second uh, running back on the depth chart behind Mark Ingram. But something else about, and you know, we'll get to this later. It's going to be interesting. Y'all have four good running backs on the roster, man. Yeah. And I think they're all, all right. going to get touches. So we'll get to that later. Round three, Justin Matabuki was a great pickup. Y'all needed some depth and talent on the D-line. And Matabuki is a guy that can come in and get playing time immediately. He possesses great agility for a guy his size. And you can see it on film. Um, again, in round three, like you said, man, y'all just kept having draft picks. Y'all 
y'all are always on the board. Y'all selected Texas wide receiver Devin Duvernay. I absolutely love this pick. This dude is a speedster. He has big playability. I love the ad, and I, I'm making the prediction now. Hot take. Jody, this is the first hot take you get to hear on this podcast, man. There'll probably <laughs> uh-huh. be another one. Hot take. Devin Duvernay comes in, and by the end of the offseason, has taken the wide receiver number two spot from uh, Willie Sneed. Mm. Okay, I can. That's yeah, it. I'll offer my insight on that in a minute. But yeah, keep going, keep going. Um, and in round four, the Ravens. I just got to touch on this guy, Ben Bredesen. I love Ben Bredesen, man. <laughs> I loved him coming out of college. I think he was a great selection for y'all. I think now this is a this is a scorching hot take. Scorching. Okay. Okay. I'm probably not even going to pan out, but I just got to say it in case it does happen. I think maybe he could fight for a starting role in year one. Maybe. Maybe oh, just because I absolutely. think he plays plays that um, that style that they like. That's my scorching hot take. We'll wait and see. Um, <laughs> from from me, man, and I'm gonna ask you. I want you to give me a grade from an A to F on this class. But from me, this gets an A. I loved the y'all's draft. DeCosta did his thing. He shored up talent and depth on defense, but he also got more weapons for the reigning NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson. So I loved it, man. This is an A for me, and it's it's not even a question. I really don't. Um, I literally wrote down word for word. Any fan saying they didn't kill this draft is nuts. Um, we don't know how these guys are going to pan out, but just on paper, what Baltimore did with the, the selections that they had, the way they maneuvered the draft a little bit and picked up, you know, an extra third round pick. Um, I gave them an A. There's value at almost every pick. They just navigating the board beautifully. They kind of showed why they're considered such a great drafting team year in and year out. And um, what what would I change about it at all? Maybe some earlier help at wide receiver and tier offensive line. Um, maybe a real backup offensive tackle. Um, some kind of swing at a developmental pass rusher, outside linebacker. But I'm, I'm kind of nitpicking um, because every time they made the pick, except for maybe one for me, you understood why they made the pick. And, I, and whether it was really the position I wanted, the player couldn't really be argued with. I mean, they just did such a good job. So... I don't know if you want to go over these guys one by one. I would love to add some things about a couple of these players. Or add them, man. This, hey, this is your show, guys. Dirty. Yeah, yeah. So, so real quick, I want to talk about Patrick Queen before moving on to J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, uber-athletic linebacker can cover, like you said, sideline to sideline. I think he's immediately going to step in as, as like a will or weak side kind of linebacker for them. Um, similar size to – you know, guys that you mentioned, Devin Bush. Um, K1 Alexander is another one that kind of comes to mind is just this feisty sideline to sideline guy that's definitely a little undersized too, but just gets it mm-hmm. done. Um, but yeah. what I want to ask you guys as, as, as you know, two that, that do this a lot more than I do and, and know a lot more than I do in a lot of respects, which I appreciate, were you guys surprised that he went after Kenneth Murray and Jordan Brooks? Because when the Seahawks especially went right before the Ravens and picked Jordan Brooks, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, and so what, what, what was, what would you say was the reason? Because I thought, I thought, I don't know about Jordan Brooks, but I thought Queens fit for Baltimore was better than Murray because he's, he's better diagnosing and, and, you know, looking at play recognition from what I could tell. Um, I felt like Murray kind of, despite his litany of experience by comparison was kind of caught. I gotta say, man, called his pants down on some run fakes, misdirections, just what the offense had intended to do which that's literally why we drafted this guy and then turn around and drafted Malik Harrison later is because we had extreme liability at the inside linebacker position last year. Well, we got torched in the Browns game because two guys and, and Patrick Owasso um, and Kenny Young, who later got dealt to the Rams for Marcus Peters, which also nuts trade in the middle of the season. 
you know, they just they they could not recognize the flow of the play. The play recognition was terrible. Mm-hmm. They just made too many mistakes, and that's why you saw us bringing a veteran in Josh Barnes, so, LJ Fort. You know, Judy, um, are, are you asking? Are you asking us? So, so say your question one more time for me. So, so essentially, what do you think? What's the knock on Queen that he would last past Murray and especially <laughs> Jordan Brooks? I think it's me, size. Okay, I was going to say the exact same thing. I think okay. it's size. Bo's right. It, it's it, size. And yeah, six, well, six one two twenty. Um, he's going to have to be able to prove that he can shed blockers because uh, once O linemen, bigger O linemen, guards, they're out r- pulling and they'll run plays. I mean, once they get their hands on him, it's going to be kind of a done deal. I mean, Ryan Chazier kind of had to go through the same thing and playing around 225, somewhere in there. Sure. I mean, he was very undersized. His first two years, he was plagued by bigger matchups. I mean, big tight ends will come through and just wreck him. Guys are playing up near 260, 270 all the time. I mean, Nick Boyle would is probably going to run him over in training camp. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, Sure. It's just how it's going to go. I would say size was his biggest thing. I mean, because the IQ's there, the athleticism's there, all the. I mean, the flashiness is all there. I mean, he he he's everywhere. But once he gets on these NFL linemen, I mean, even guys that are number two on the depth chart, if first lineman goes down, are still going to have a huge size advantage on him. It's going to be really hard to get around him. Just going to have to prove that, in my opinion. It is. It's size, and like Bo, Bo couldn't have said that any better, man. He took the words right out of my mouth. It's getting off blocks. And getting off blocks for smaller sure. guys. And you know, Roquan Smith had the same problem, man. Roquan Smith is what was the top linebacker for me in that draft class. And you know, he ended up going being the top linebacker selected. But he he still struggled. He got out there, man. He had an amazing rookie season. But what did he have problems with? He couldn't get off blocks. He could yeah. not get off the blocks. The NFL and, linemen's okay. hands are just so good. They they know they can if they get their oh, the hands ball. right there on his numbers, yeah. I mean, he's not gonna be able to break that. You know, and like you said, the rangier linemen, big tackles and stuff like that that are getting out and running nowadays. I mean, tackles don't even look fat anymore. You used to think of big offensive linemen as big fat guys. The outside linemen, the tackles, nowadays, they're never fat. They're, they're fit, always some, There are some yeah, just yeah. thick guys. I mean, look at like Lane Johnson type players. Oh, my God. You know man. what I mean? I mean, good Lord. And and both Bo said, you know, and I mean, sorry, uh, Jody said, you said this perfectly too, man. You talk about Kenneth Murray. That's exactly what I saw on film. I don't know how much film uh, Bo watched on Murray, but I watched quite a bit. And it was he he's he's a hundred hundred miles an hour constantly. Yeah. And it looks like he would he would um, kind of go with the what his first thought of the play was going to be, uh, and then he'd get uh, caught with his pants down, and, and and he'd be out of position to make a play at that point. He, just he would, just he, reckless. Yeah, yeah either, a little bit he reckless. Would, either he would hit on the play because he he predicted it well, or either it's a total miss. It was one or the other. Again, I think the Chargers got an amazing talent with him at linebacker. I think he's going to do great things in uh, L.A. But uh, that, I, you said it perfectly, man. That's exactly what it was. It looked like at times he was lost a little bit, even though he had the, the mad experience that he did. Um, Bo, do you have anything else you want to add to the uh, the draft or, or on the guys they got, or do you want to move on to the depth um, chart, man? Uh, oh, man, well, can we please talk about J.K. Dobbins? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, so, let me hear you on J.K. Dobbins. Jay. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a real quick rundown of some guys. So I just want to mention this to Bo. Um, yeah. And I, I was ridiculed online. I was getting a ton of crap from from guys because they were like, no way Baltimore uses one of its two second-round picks for a running back. And I, I'd been calling it for, for a while because, I mean, why wouldn't you want to build a strength on a strength? Mark Ingram's, yeah. you know, turning 31 years old. Um, Baltimore's calling card got better with this guy. Um, so we've got basically in a, in a sense guy that's younger and faster, you know, than Mark Ingram, but still just as versatile, low center of gravity, plenty elusive, better receiver than he's being yeah. cre- given credit for super yeah. durable. Um, I read Bo's article on him and, and I got a, 
uh, disagree with Brian Baldinger and agree with Bo, you know, in, in a sense that Baldinger said he had breakaway speed. I don't know if it was just the touches. I don't know if I would go quite that far. Yeah. Um, but he's in college, decisive. you can call it breakaway, but in the NFL, it won't be breakaway speed. No, and but he's decisive, and that's what's yeah. terrifying yeah. if you're a defense having to commit yeah. to either him or Lamar on, on option routes or option option plays, the RPOs. I just love this pick. And I, Bo said his comp was, was Dalvin Cook. There's a guy in 2008 that Baltimore took at 55th overall, too, named Ray Rice, that other than being an inch mm-hmm. shorter than Dobbins, reminds me a lot. I considered that. I really did consider that. I really did consider that comp. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. the, the center of gravity was, like, the two big, the two biggest things I thought. I love the Dalvin Cook comp, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just um, bouncing off defenders, man. I mean, it's he's. Oh God, I love his game so much. I mean, like you said, so he's much. so. He, Bo he loves he, this guy, man. Yeah, so dude. Much, like man. it's, it's I, when, he, when, the, when the cutback <laughs> lane opens up for him, there is no second guessing. Do I need to go there? He is yeah. gone. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. That's like and, these are as you talk about things you can't really like coach as much vision and knowing when to take your chance and and go and how to oh, yeah. set up a run. That stuff's it's pretty hard to teach because that's it happens in the flow of the play. You know, that's and, you can you can give advice on that, but a guy's got to have a feel for that. Yeah, and and that's to, to me that's where what he may lack in speed. I mean, that may as well be speed. That's you know, not that's, everything, um, though. I, you know what I mean? He can pick you up thirty-five yards. You know what I'm exactly, saying? That's exactly. And with, with, with your in your offense, you don't. Mark Ingram can't break you a ninety-yard run. You know what I mean? Oh, he ran significantly slower. Yeah, yeah Mark exactly. Ingram was like I mean, a four-six guy. He doesn't guy. have to be breakaway but he does have to make at least the first guy miss i mean because yeah, yeah. the play the way the plays are designed the running back is gonna have to beat somebody at the next level but uh, you got a guy in jk dobbins that can get that done and he can get it done whether he's catching the ball in rpo style he can just power offense whatever you want to do Dude, I, he can line it up and do it i could inject i could go talking about jk dobbins i can inject this into my veins every day yeah, I mean, it gets it me so me. hype man it gets me so well, hype. i don't know why i mean and i could be i could get all hype on him and he could bust but and that's fine but like his what his college tape had out there for you to see that's what it was when he got i mean you don't get 300 carries and go for 2000 yards for nothing okay oh, you, yeah. we put no it way. all out there you know no, no way well yeah and i was gonna say we can we can wax poetic uh to to bo's dismay on on jk dobbins all day long but um i did want to move on because i know just for time's sake yeah, um yeah. justin matabuike um you can't really say anything more than just adding a super talented uh, twitched up guy on the D line to hopefully penetrate, maybe has some sack potential for Baltimore gives yeah. them some young depth behind Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, uh, Calais Campbell. They've got an old starting D line. So I did love that pick. I could go on about him, but I'm going to move on a little bit. Uh, poor effort was something that, that maybe was one knock on him, but I remember back um, 70th pick instead of 71st overall pick a ways back, a guy that got knocked for poor effort and also failed drug tests, but Justin Houston. So it's like, I'm not saying he's Justin Houston by any means, two different positions, but I just, I don't care. Uh, we rotate D linemen so much. If he can give yeah. effort on 40% of snaps that he actually the rotations is in everything. On, the rotation is yeah, everything. You so have I mean, to have that now, especially in, in like your, the three, four. I think y'all are moving to more two man down stuff as well, where they're only going to have two line, D linemen on the field and they need to have guys that can play multiple gaps. And Matta Buke, I don't know how you say it. He's going to, he's going to bring you that. You know what I mean? So that's that, he's, that's what you got to have. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 
not to full take over here, but I, I got to talk about Devin Duvernay for a oh, second. Oh, um, preach, preach. I love this pick. John Harbaugh showed a huge fist pump when he realized that the Pats picked a different Devin, actually, at 91st overall. And Devin was Asi Asi, the tight end, instead of instead of Devin Duvernay, who we wanted. So that he got this, you got this very like elated, almost visceral reaction from Harbaugh, which you just don't see a ton. Um, but th- this has got to be, guys, the most Ravens receiver pick. I have ever seen since I started following the team. Um, arguably best hands in the draft statistically, along with, um, I would say, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., James Prochet, who we obviously also got maybe another couple guys, but um, he's tough. He's physical. He was one of Eric DaCosta's favorite players in the entire draft, according to Eric DaCosta himself, too. They really wanted this guy. I think he was probably, and in, in other teams I think do have this, what Baltimore would refer to as a red star prospect. Um, where the scouts go in and they they stand on the table for one guy and put a star by his name. Yeah. He might have had two stars. I don't know if they can even do that. But this guy has speed, 439 production, 106 catches, almost 1,400 yards. He's physical. I cannot wait. He trucked Grant Delpit twice oh in the LSU God, game yes. last year. <laughs> and then the Browns turn around and take Grant Delpit in the second round. I cannot wait. I hope he does it. 20 more times and before his career said and More than one time in the NFL. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I mean, this guy's just rocked up. Um, competitive is all get out. We yeah. had six drops versus the Feisty. Titans in that playoff game. So much went wrong, but that was one of them. Um, he supposedly only dropped, like, one pass in his career from what I had read. So, I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far necessarily. There's got to be more than one drop in there somewhere, you'd think. But um, maybe an underdeveloped route runner. Um, he does have to use pure speed a lot. But he's got experience at slot and outside. I will say to to your point earlier, Jacob, you said that he might take over as the number two receiver. Maybe my thing with that is that I think that part of the reason Baltimore didn't address receiver earlier is because Eric DeCosta is putting a lot of faith in Miles Boykin as that he prototypical X receiver to just get it done and grow from year one yeah. to year two. And I don't know if it's going to happen, but I do like us at least taking a guy in Duvernay. Um, where a fast team gets faster, you know, maybe he sees some zone looks because man coverage is so dangerous against Lamar Jackson. So maybe he gets a chance to just use that build-up speed, maybe almost in the Willie Sneed role, which is something that this guy, Ken McCusick, who's a great Baltimore Ravens analysis guy, um, mentioned, you know, Willie Sneed was using a ton of um, misdirection, like movement in the formation to sort of help Lamar see, you know, the defense a little yeah, bit more clearly. Out, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so if you put Duvernay in that role, four three nine speed, great hands, and you just get him moving before the play starts, I mean, good oh, yeah. luck you with You get all that this guy speed. in motion, it's over, man. Yeah, good luck with all this speed, for yeah, sure. Uh, we haven't really talked about Geno Stone yet. Yeah, and and because he's like the you know the Mister Irrelevant pick, the seventh rounder, one of the long sh- they call him the long shots. But I honestly thought he I thought he'd go a little higher than seventh round. I did too. And and everybody and that, did that. That Ravens uh, safety room is is pretty is chock full of, of players right now. They've just I think they've re-signed two guys right. Uh, I think Chuck oh, yeah. Clark just got extended and. Uh, was it the Levine kid? I can't remember his name. Anthony Levine, Levine. long-time special teamer. He's got good depth for us. Deshaun Elliott out of Texas, who's been hurt but looks like he's rangy as all get out when he's healthy. Um, Chuck Clark's the guy calling the defense, so we got him and then obviously Earl Thomas. So to add Geno Stone to that room, 
And he's a lot like Chuck Clark in a sense that, you know, Chuck Clark's six-round pick out of Virginia Tech, kind of an afterthought, but just very heady guy like Geno Stone. Um, maybe doesn't have crazy athletic traits, but a guy that if he sits in the, in the film room, sits in the room with these really good guys in Clark and Thomas, maybe he does develop. And I, I would say at the very least, he's going to be a great special team. Yeah, well, well, I was about to say, I can't, I can't wait to see him lay somebody out in punt coverage. Oh, yeah. oh, he's going Can't to, wait. man. He's going to. Yeah, I think he's going oh, yeah. to make the team. I mean, there's a lot of seventh-rounders that get practice squatted, you know what I mean, and, and they don't exactly – or some guys get just straight up don't make it as you know, seventh-rounders. Yeah. And some, some people say you'd rather come in as an undrafted guy than a seventh-rounder. It's just a pay bump, you know, basically. That's about it, you know, for the worth to the team. And uh, Geno Stone, I think he he could be a seventh rounder that pays off. I mean, he's going to come in, he's going to play super hard, and he's going to come exactly. come downhill and hit somebody. So he's going to be he's going to be one of the guys out that I'm excited to uh, watch in the preseason because I know he's going to get some time. Yeah, in. he's going to do some make some big plays in the preseason. No, he's going to. Oh yeah, he's going to have to show up on film. I mean, he really is. Um, guys, now we've we've gone over the guys that just showed up on the team through the draft process. Let's talk about the 2020 depth chart projections. Um, and I'm going to go through the offense and the defense, Jody. And then I sure. want you to tell me what, what are some ch- things that you don't agree with? What, what do you think you would change? What do you think is going to happen? Bo, you do the same, man. You always back me up or help me out with some things. Um, yeah. On the offense, guys, I don't think there's really a question at quarterback. Um, I think it's Lamar Jackson <laughs> and uh, running back. So hear me out. <laughs> Trace McSorley's whole... looking good. Yeah, oh, Trace yeah. Tyler Huntley. Her report. Yeah. <laughs> um, so running backs, running backs, guys, this is what's interesting to me. Y'all have got Mark Ingram. Obviously, we just talked but praised J.K. Dobbins. You also have a guy who's a, a not, a not a bad runner at all in Gus Edwards and a guy oh, who I great. really liked, Justice Hill. I was really high on Justice Hill. I just liked what he was able to do for Oklahoma State. Um, I think all of these guys are going to get touches. And, I mean, I don't know. Justice Hill, he's probably the, the guy on the outside looking in. But Gus Edwards, Dobbins, and Ingram are all going to get significant touches, I believe. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I, I'm, I don't know how many carries he's going to get. This guy just came off of getting 300. So, you know, he's up for any of it. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys are. But that's the four running backs I have, and Ingram, Dobbins, Edwards, and Hill. Um, Rob receiver one, and I think this guy's going to come out and, and really show out this year, is Marquise Brown, Hollywood. He's going to make everybody know his name this year, I believe. Wide receiver two is Willie Sneed on the depth chart right now. Again, I think it's going to be Devin Duvernay, and I think Miles Boykin will be a wide receiver three. I like Miles Boykin. It's just I don't know how much. They have a lot of faith in him, and DeCosta, like I said, DeCosta thinks that I'm in on it. But I, I, I'm just I'm weary of Miles Boykin. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what type of jump he makes this year. But um, I, I think Devin Duvernay and Marquise Brown are your two guys that are going to come out and make the big plays uh, and lead that offense from the receiver position. Tight end. I mean, come on, man. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is, t- is a top three tight end in the league. Does anyone have anything to say about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, if he's not top three, he's close because I mean, you do have some good guys. You got Kittle. Just a, just a big uh, drop off Kelsey. after the top. It's three, a big three drop off. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's, it's Kittle, he's, Kelsey, and Andrews for me. That's the top three. Yeah, probably. and and then there's Zach Ertz. There's also Darren Waller. Who, who Austin Hooper's pretty good. Austin yeah, Hooper. Austin Hooper. I, I think he's solidly, firmly in that top five conversation. Yeah. He has to be just with his contract. He has to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the offensive lineman, so here's basically the way I see the offensive line working out. It's left tackle Ronnie Stanley, left guard Bradley Bozeman, center Matt Skura, 
Um, right guard, DJ Fluker, I think he's going to come in and win that immediately. And um, right tackle, Orlando Brown. Um, and like you said, man, the depth after the tackles is something to be concerned about. But if if, if health if health works out and they stay healthy, that's some good talent at the tackle positions, yeah, man. Y'all they, should be- they signed former Bengal, uh, Andre Smith, also. Yes, sir. That's going to be hey, interesting man, that, that if that he has to play. And poison the team, so I may be yeah. good um, but yeah, man, Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown, that's some good guys you can feel good about at the tackle spots. And Ronnie Stanley, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on with his contract situation. He's being a great teammate, man. He's come out and said, look, I'm in no rush. Like, we'll be all right. So I, I love seeing oh, yeah. like that. You know, they're just thinking about the team. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, obviously y'all are a team that runs a nose tackle um, instead of two defensive tackles. So y'all got, um, on your left left defensive end, you got Derek Wolf. He's going to come in and win that job. Nose tackle, Brandon Williams. Right defensive end, Calais Campbell. I love that. I love those front three. Yeah. Um, from your wheel linebacker, you've got Matt Judon, and he was just tagged. He, they just compromised with him on the tag. Um, left inside linebacker, LJ Fort. I agree with you, Jody. LJ Fort, I think the guy's going to be pretty much there. Uh, right inside linebacker is going to be Patrick Queen. And then uh, your Sam linebackers, Jalen Ferguson, who was another, another <laughs> guy who put up huge stats in college but fell in the draft. So and I think he's got a ton of potential. So I, I, that's a really exciting. Um, there's, that's a really exciting group of linebackers that y'all have. Obviously in the secondary, left cornerback Marlon Humphrey, strong safety Chuck Clark, free safety Earl Thomas, and your right cornerback is Marcus Peters. Studs, man, you got studs all over this defense. Um, so let me ask you this, Jody: How do you feel about the depth chart overall headed into 2020 on the offensive defense? Yeah, I mean, so I I could make pick here guys certainly um but for me since the start of the 2008 season when i've you know kind of got into this thing it's the deepest ravens roster i can remember i mean the talent at some of these positions is unreal the secondary is loaded you got marlon humphrey you know chuck clark just got re-signed earl thomas is is one of the greater guys to ever see the free safety position Marcus Peters, who looked fantastic, was a revelation for us last year to sort of solidify a playmaker on the outside opposite of Marlin. Um, you've got Jimmy Smith, former first-round pick. That's amazing depth. You've got Tavon Young, who's one of the better slot corners coming back from injury. Hopefully he can come back. I think you've just got good depth, too, with guys like Anthony Levine, a couple of other guys that have been in the system for at least a couple of years. Um, you know, so I feel pretty good about this roster. I mean, running back room, arguably the best in the league. Some people thought we might trade one of these guys with the drafting of, of J.K. Dobbins. I could not be more against the idea of that. I don't think any of these four guys are going anywhere. Um, this might be the best top-to-bottom running back room in the NFL on the team that needs it to be the best running back group top-to-bottom in the NFL. So I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, the receivers are really young and unproven, so that's kind of a question mark for me. Um, third tight end, hopefully either this guy Charles Scharf, who we've had in the system, or um, one of these undrafted guys, Eli Wolf out of Georgia, who's, who's big with some speed, or Jacob Breland, who numbers-wise looks like one of the better tight ends in the country last year out of Oregon before he got hurt. These two undrafted rookie free agents, I think it's possible one of them makes the team, um, if not likely. Um, so that's the thing. Honestly, the biggest thing I worry about, though, that could derail the whole operation, and I know both of you guys, I'm sure, agree on this, that interior O-line, I don't really know what's going to happen there. Life after Yonda. Life after Yonda, life <laughs> post-Matt Skura tearing his ACL, PCL, I believe also his MCO, and dislocating his kneecap, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. 
So to pencil him in at center to start the season, I mean, my knee hurts just thinking about it, you know. So I don't know if he comes back, Patrick, you know, to start initially. Patrick McCarry last year, I think, filled in for him pretty well. There's also been talk of moving Bradley Bozeman, who, you know, six-round pick from a couple years ago that started left guard. He was a center at Alabama, so maybe he moves over to that center spot. And to Jacob's point, you're talking about Ben Bredesen, this rookie out of Michigan. The pipeline is known very well from Michigan to Baltimore with Jim Harbaugh. This is a guy with a photographic memory on the line. I mean, what more could you ask for in a, a, an abbreviated offseason than a rookie that, that's going to know that playbook crazy that, fast? That's what I'm saying, man. That's why I'm really yeah. high on that guy. I think it's a shot that he you know comes in starting. Yeah, so I mean, I think I'm – there's a lot of unknown, but I'm not too worried about it because McCary did look pretty good. Bozeman's serviceable on the, at left guard and can maybe play some center according to DaCosta. Um, DJ Fluker is the mauler. Um, you've got Tyree Phillips who has that – gives me vibes of Kalecio Samelli from, from you know, yesteryear at Baltimore where you just got a big guy that can operate in a phone booth at six foot – or six foot five, like 340 pounds, long arms – converted tackle because he does have the slow feet he doesn't have the same quickness but it's kind of the opposite of Ben Bredesen you know big big traits Ben Bredesen is the technician the pass protector Tyree Phillips is the the mauler you know the guy that's going to absolutely bulldoze you I cannot wait I you want to talk about a hot take book it now maybe it's not that hot but I will will soothsay here be a Nostradamus for a second Tyree Phillips if he does not start on this line first year because he probably will need to develop a little bit that dude is coming in on some jumbo packages, and you're talking about a Baltimore Ravens team that loved fourth down and one and going yeah. for it. He's going to come in, and he is going to absolutely flatten some people, I think, <laughs> in some jumbo packages, if nothing else. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, the only other part of the roster that I really have any qualms with is that linebacker group. There's a lot of potential there, but... Um, after Matthew Judon, who rushes the passer outside linebacker? You've got a guy in a contract here in Tyus Bowser out of Houston from a couple years ago, second-round pick. Um, uh, he had five sacks last year, but can he take the next step? Jalen Ferguson, I think, had two and a half, and he's coming from a pretty small school going into his second year. Can he do it? Yeah, he's you know he led the, the NCAA in sacks you know, while he was there that last season. Didn't exactly but- translate. Yeah, or maybe not last season, but I know he broke Terrell Suggs' record for the most in a career. But yeah. but can he take that next step? Because he's a young guy, too. And and so, you know, there's a ton of potential, but those are a couple p- potential, at least, problem areas. Other than that, I got I got no complaints. Oh, um, backup pat tackle, I know I mentioned. Um, and then, again, I, despite all that, deepest roster that I can remember, honestly, as a Ravens fan. And Bro, I, I want to... I want to hang. On, I want to interject one thing that one another thing that made me really, really angry that the Ravens did, and well, more jealous than angry. But like uh, they signed as I think UDFA uh, Aaron Crawford from UNC, uh, uh, nose tackle or tackle. tackle. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Steelers losing Javon Hargrave. I was really hoping that they would bring him in to try and make our team for nose tackle or just a depth piece to run for the two man sets. You know, just throw him a you know a D tackle designation and let him roll for wherever wherever they want to put him you know he goes he oh, yeah. i always thought i always thought he played well at unc i i thought that he at first you know his last year there i thought that he was going to get drafted but he kind of just plateaued at some point didn't really get any big numbers up there but i i'm interested to see if he can make your your uh your d line but because i i did it's, love his game you can see he was a run stuffer 
Yeah. It's going to be um, tough because we've got so many bodies there, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. It's going to be real interesting. This, this undrafted rookie free agent class for a lot of teams is going to be fascinating because of the limitations of, of observing these guys before the draft. So I, I can't wait. Bo, uh, for this coming season, every time we talk about anything Ravens, we are going to title it Life After Yonder. Because I'm, I'm so happy you just said that. That's definitely what we're gonna we're gonna rely on. That we're gonna see what life after Yon is like for the Ravens. Um, guys, I want to jump into our 2020 record prediction. So I'm gonna give you all my prediction. I'm gonna tell you who they lose to. Okay, they did not go undefeated, so I do have some people that they lost to. Um, my prediction for the 2020 season for the Ravens is they go 13 and three. I had them lo- losing to the Chiefs, the Steelers once, mm. and weirdly enough, I had them losing at Philadelphia. Really? Yeah, I know that's weird, but we just mm. just wait it out. It's going to happen. But guys, wh- what are y'all's record predictions for 2020? I'll let Jody lead it. Um, I was kind of waffling back and forth between actually 13 and three and probably 12 and four. I, I do think they win the AFC North again. Um, as far as who they're going to lose to, I don't know. This is a pretty good schedule. Um, they've got the fewest air miles traveled, so they're not going to be doing a whole lot of traveling, which is kind of nice. Um, they kind of got labeled the easiest schedule just based off of like strength of opponent from last year. Um, whole, relatively, whole division has it made. Oh, we're doing awesome. Yeah, there's there's another team that's got to travel some crazy amount. Maybe it's the Seahawks or somebody got screwed. Let me just say in that one. Um, Might but, be Miami. Yeah, it was somebody. But um, you know, relatively fair allocation of home versus away. After our week eight bye week, we do have four of six. Um, on the road, which is kind of not the greatest stretch Col- at Colts, at Patriots, Titans, at Steelers, Cowboys at home, and then at Browns. Um, mm. But, you know, it's a soft, relatively soft way to end the season. Jaguars, Giants, and then at Bengals. Sorry, Jacob. Um, but who, who knows what Bengals are going to look like week 17. But I, I feel pretty good about that end of the, the season schedule. Um, who do they lose to? I, I God, I hope we don't lose to the Chiefs again, especially at home on Monday Night Football. Um, one loss I'm going to say probably does come versus the Steelers. If you, if you, you know, got to make me pick somebody, um, that Thanksgiving night, that Thanksgiving night bout is going to be awesome. Awesome. I mean, these teams are going to be in peak form week 12. You're in Pittsburgh. You need to go to that, dude. It's, I'm going to try Raven Steelers at Heinz is a different atmosphere. I've been to, I was at the bills game this past year and it was a good game, but dude, nothing compares to the Raven Steelers. I've been to two of them and one of them was Christmas day. Uh, and oh, that yeah. was, that was the best holiday I've ever had in my life. It was, I want it, man. I want yeah. it. So, I mean, it in terms of who they, cheap, yeah, exactly. And so in terms of who they, they lose to, I can't exactly say, but the, the games that I starred chiefs because we're owing to, that's two of the Mars three, I think it's three regular season losses to this point, both at the, the Arrowhead stadium, you know, of the chiefs. So, Definitely looking at that one. Titans, for obvious reasons, week 11. I want us to crush the Titans. And then the very next week, Steelers Thanksgiving night. Uh, maybe you could say the Cowboys, too. But Steelers is always one of my favorite games, if not my favorite every year. So looking forward to those three. I think – and I think the – I mean, don't don't let it – Uh, I mean, the, the, I don't know, the Thursday night football game uh, for the Cowboys, that's kind of sketchy, too. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good receivers on that Cowboys team. There's be a lot of guys to cover. If there's any injuries uh, in your I, secondary come week 13 on a short week, that oh, could yeah. be scary. Could be real. Scary. Oh yeah, and we'll but get what's your, that the Cowboys game. later. But but what's your prediction, man, for the, the record? 
13 and 3. Um, and 13. I got the same losses, one Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't really know which one because I've there's been years where we beat them in Baltimore and they beat us in Pittsburgh. So I mean I don't I don't know which one it's gonna be. It just I think they split. Um and then the Chiefs clearly, and then I just don't know on that third loss. The Eagles game is a tricky one, and I think the Cowboys Thursday night game is tricky, or that Titans game could get them. Um, but I think there's a third loss in there somewhere. Uh, I really do. I like it, man. I like it. We we normally agree on things, so so. I, well, I'm, I mean, yeah, it's just with with the Ravens, you you, you kind of know how the season's going to go with this. Like you were saying, this roster is just it's just loaded, and we know what they're coming off of last year. I, I think it it's easy for us to come to a consensus with this and like that it's going to be a, a above 12 or more wins season, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I fully expect it to be. Um, now, Jody, we're going to jump into something a little bit fun here. And since you're a fan, this is normally pretty fun for the fans. At least it's a lot of fun for me and Bo too. I want to jump into our top five Ravens of all time, man. And uh, I'm going to be honest before this was earlier this week, I told Bo, I was like, man, it's going to be a lot of fun picking and ranking my top five Ravens. <laughs> Because it's just so many great players, man. Um, on a short history, too. You know? Yeah, on a short history. Very fortunate. Um, so I, I'm going to give you all my list right here. And there's going to be a really surprised guy. I will be completely surprised if one of y'all have the guy that I have starting at number five. But I'm going to go through mine. So, guys, the top five Ravens of all time. For me, number five is Justin Tucker. Um, he's a Super Bowl champ. Wow. Three-time yeah, Pro Bowler. Four-time first-team All-Pro. 2010's all-decade team member. He's the most accurate kicker in NFL history. Um, so I think that says a lot. And like you said, it's a short history, man. You could have put some other people, but I think by the end of Justin Tucker's career, I think he'll be in the top five. Um, number four is Jonathan Ogden, uh, Super Bowl champ, 11-time Pro Bowler. This guy was an absolute mauler. When you were talking about mauler, this is what this guy was. Um, four-time first-team All-Pro, five-time second-team All-Pro. He played in 177 games, and he started 176. That's absolutely absurd. He's a Hall of Famer as well. Um, number three for me is Terrell Suggs. Everybody's got to love some Terrell Suggs. We've mentioned him a couple oh, times yeah. on this podcast already. Uh, this guy's a two-time Super Bowl champ, seven-time Pro Bowler, 2011 first-team All-Pro. He was only a first-team All-Pro one time, um, but he was also the 2011 Defensive Player of the Year, and he's a member of the 100 Sacks Club, which is huge. That's a huge, um, huge, um, what am I trying to say? Um Help me out here, guys. I, I can't get my word to me. Um, I, love, I love it when you say right. accomplishment. Accomplishment. I was thinking accolade. I was like, that's not it. That's not it, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just completely went blank. <laughs> number uh, number two for me is Ed Reed. Maybe the greatest safety of all time. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, when you you know a guy's great when Bill Belichick says, "Don't compare anybody to this guy," because yeah, that's what exactly. he says about Ed. Um, I read Ed Reed. Same thing. Be the one smart, time, probably the smartest defensive player ever. I mean, you, I've always thought, is it Ed Reed or Troy Palomalu? And it's kind of cool having y'all both on this podcast, being the fans that, you know, of the teams that you are. But, um, you know, Ed Reed's a one-time Super Bowl champ, nine-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, the 2004 Defensive Player of the Year. And I'm going to say this, for a safety to be Defensive Player of the Year, that's damn impressive. When a safety is defensive player of the year, three, he's a three-time NFL interceptions leader, first ballot Hall of Famer, and like I said, 
quite possibly. I'm going to give him the edge over Palomalu, um, but it's really close. I, if if I could tie him, I would. Well, doesn't they uh, play different positions in Troy Wood and Troy a free safety? Well, and Edry's a strong safety. Yeah, but yeah, well, at uh, position, Edry's a free safety. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of the more but, pure free safety. Yeah. But and then number one, I don't think there is anyone else. I think the only guy that even comes close to challenging this guy is Ed Reed. But number one for me is Ray Lewis, um, two-time Super Bowl champ, 13-time Pro Bowler, seven-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, first ballot Hall of Famer. This guy was the epitome of football and playing your hardest every play. I th- When I think of the word passion in football, it's Ray Lewis. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, really. I mean, that, I don't think anyone, Ray Lewis, and is he like possibly? Like the Kevin Garnett of football. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Though. That's what I'm saying. It was, just, it was just unreal. And, guys, I want to hear your top five now, but Ray Lewis is easily my number one. Uh, and, yeah. uh, well, I had, uh, <laughs> I think Ray Lewis should be probably consensus number one, but that's just me. And and I had it backwards, by the way. Troy Palomalu played strong safety. Ed Reed played free safety. So they did play two different positions out there, but they both looked about the same with the plays they were making. But uh, I had my number five at Rod Woodson. I don't know. And Rod Woodson didn't play there long, but Rod Woodson was amazing while he was there. Okay, in four years, he had 20 interceptions and six fumble recoveries and scored five touchdowns. You know, in four years, I mean, and tons of tackles, 250 plus tackles. Uh, I mean, 26 total turnovers. I Man, that's just great. And he, I mean, to help bring Ray Lewis along, you know, as a as a young player, you know, give Ray Lewis a good mentor. You know what I mean? Someone to someone to help model his pro career after too. So I had him at number five, and then number four, I had Jonathan Ogden for obvious reasons, one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, and then number three. I think I had uh, Terrell Suggs, um, and that's just for me playing and growing up and watching the matchups with the Steelers. Uh, and the, just Terrell Suggs, I don't think I've hated anyone more or <laughs> or or, or respected. He's the highest ward of the Ravens. Yes, or but or respected anyone more than I respect Terrell Suggs' game because Terrell Suggs brought it every down and all the talk he did have, he absolutely backed it up. And I can't anyone, like you said earlier, anyone to refute that would be nuts. Because I mean he that was just Terrell Suggs. That was the way he played the game and and I and it's like he got his passion, him and Ray Lewis together. That, that is so much passion for the game of football together on one field. And then number two, I had Ed Reed, obviously. And then number one, clearly Ray Lewis, for both very obvious reasons. Jacob touched on all the stats that you know to put down. So I'm not going to go back over those. But that's my top five. Yeah, these these are great top fives, guys. I mean, I would say the Ravens fan can't really argue. Um, to Jacob's point, I mean, putting Justin Tucker, you know, at the, the edge of that top five, by the end of the career, the career for him, I think that's very valuable. Um, and, and uh, or not valuable, I guess you would just say very, I mean, that's a fair argument, you know, so I can't really argue with that. It might be the greatest kicker of all time, you know, when it's all said and done. Obviously, Lamar Jackson eventually works his way up there if he keeps up his toward pace that he's had so far. Um, but in terms of my top five, I think it was you got to have a balance for me of, of team longevity. So, you know, how long were you on the team? What did you mean to the team? Which would take Rod Woodson out for me um, personally. What, what was the importance of your position? And then what was your pedigree compared to the rest of the, the league at your position? Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, for me, um, number five for me, and I know Bo's going to appreciate this. I know you both will really. Marshall Yonda. Yeah, um, I wanted to. Oh, yeah. I wanted he's him. My, in it's my honorable so- mention. 
Oh, yeah. He's got to be like the first one. And, um, you know, Marshall Yonda does it for me. I won't go over the stats necessarily, but I mean, he might go into the Hall of Fame eventually. I think he He should be in the Hall of Fame. I think, yeah, I think most people think he should be. So we'll see how that goes. Best best guard of this generation. Yeah. 2010 all decade team, eight time pro bowler. Just, I mean, never miss a game. This guy at one point, you know, was playing right guard. I want to say, dislocated his shoulder or something really bad happened to his shoulder instead of going on ir the guy is so corn-fed iowa tough that he <laughs> went from right guard to left guard so that he could change the angle of and hand position and keep playing out the rest of the season so i mean you want to talk about a guy that really embodies what it means to be a raven That's marshall yonder is right there um number four kind of off of that point i have terrell suggs Terrell Suggs, if you're talking about my favorite Ravens of all time, he's got to be very close, if not my absolute favorite. The personality through the roof. Um, hilarious guy, Mr. Ball So Hard University, and all the antics. But underneath the antics, amazing leader. Um, I think y'all kind of talked about the stats for him. I will point out, he is eighth all-time in sacks at 139. That is only a half sack behind Jason Taylor and two and a half behind Michael Strahan and ahead of a yes, lot sir. of really good guys. Mm, yes, sir. So you want to you talk about an underappreciated guy in a, in, to a large extent. I mean, he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, but the other thing that embodies him to me for Raven – he returned from an Achilles tear in 2012 after five months when the average recovery rate around that time was 11 months, um, which I thought was really interesting. I hope he goes in the Hall of Fame one year or one one of these days. Um, but for him to come back five months removed from an Achilles tear, a sack against the Texans, to me that summed up what he was so well, was, was a, a joker, but a really hard worker. Um, yeah. I'm going to say that my number three, in lieu of number three, I got to go 2B, and, and feel free to stop me at any point if you want to add to any of this. Um, I got to go 2B because it, to me, it kind of doesn't feel fair to put Jonathan Ogden at number three overall in Ravens history. This is the first Ravens draft pick of Ozzie Newsom's tenure and, and first, you know, draft pick in Baltimore Ravens history. 11 time Pro Bowler, like you guys said, all decade team, all time team, arguably the greatest left tackle ever. Yeah. Um, paved the way for Jamal Lewis's 2,000-yard season, including what at the time was 295 yards against the Browns. We can laugh about that, which was the most ever. I mean, that was the most ever at the time. So this amazing, amazing running game that he had that year with Jamal Lewis um, will forever be a part of Ravens lore. 2A for me, Ed Reed, um, all-decade team again, all-time team again. Um, two longest interception returns of all time. One of my favorite plays in Ravens history was his 108-ish, 107 return against, um, actually intercepted Kevin Cobb in an Eagles game um, back in 2008, which was like a timestamp for me as my my you know early Ravens fandom. I just I loved that most interception return yards of all time by over 100 yards. And again, like you guys said, Bill Belichick called him the greatest free safety ever. So hard to argue with that one. And then. Number one, I mean, the guy's got a statue next to Johnny Nottis. It's Ray Lewis. There's really no debate. Um, only two-time Super Bowl champion for the Ravens from both Super Bowl-winning squads. Um, Super Bowl 35 MVP. You guys talked about all the accolades. Another all-decade team guy from the 2000s, and then an all-time team guy. Second most takeaways ever behind Jack Ham, which I thought was really interesting. And then you want to talk about arguably the best defense of all time, you know. And I know some other teams get cycled in there, like the you know '85 Bears, um, that Seahawks team that absolutely demolished the the Broncos. Um, but 
you know, you're talking about a Super Bowl run where the Giants in the Super Bowl didn't score an offensive touchdown, 152 total yards. Um, this was a team that over the course of the season gave up 10.3 points per game, pitched four shutouts, and had one touchdown on, I believe, about 60 possessions in the postseason. Kerry Collins looked awful. When Trent Dilfer is clearly the better quarterback in the Super Bowl, <laughs> that's a problem. And you want to talk about, no offense to Trent Dilfer, but probably the worst quarterback potentially ever to win a Super Bowl. Not to take yeah, anything yeah. away from him. He did what he had to do. But that tells you how Still good that it. defense. Yeah, and that tells you how good that defense was. But I think Kerry Collins, the stats from that game were like 15 of 39, 112 yards, which he only clips 100 with like two minutes left in the game. No touchdowns, four picks, a fumble. That game had 21 punts between the two teams, including a record at the time, at least. I don't know if it's still a record, but 11 by the Giants, which includes five turnovers. So you're talking about giving the football back to Baltimore 16 times in a game. That's outrageous. And so he embodies that early um, mentality of the Ravens, defense first. Um, he is the face of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, unless somebody like Lamar Jackson just explodes, he might forever be the face of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and unless a third statue of somebody like Lamar comes up in Baltimore, you know, in the next few decades, it's it's Ray Lewis all day long. I agree. I, there's, no, awesome, there's, there's, no, there's no other way to put it with Ray Lewis. It's absolutely number one. Yeah. I love it, man. Well, so, Jody, I'll, we're going to do something here. And and me and Bo make sure that the guest doesn't know about these three questions that we're going to ask. Because I want it off the top of the head. And me and Bo have been keeping up with what answers we've gotten from the other fans. Okay? So sure. what I want you to do, Jody, is I want you to give me who is your sleeper team this year? Okay. Um, well, let me just say, first of all, it's funny um, that you say that because I have been listening to the podcast. And so oh, God. We didn't catch him this. off guard. Oh, no, God. man. I'm the data guy, man. You know I'm prepared. I came I love it, man. I, I love the like energy. 16 pages of notes, man. Um, so, anyway, so what I would probably say, I didn't give all this stuff a ton of thought because I still wanted it to, to kind of be free balling. But if I'm going true dark horse in a sense, um, not the, the sexy up and coming team, like an Arizona Cardinals, you know, it, you know, a team like that, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, anybody can say that no offense to anybody picking those guys if they have, but if I'm going true dark horse, I got to say the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, um, and, and the reason I say that the division is not particularly strong. Watson is doing everything within his power. Deshaun Watson to carry the Texans. Tannehill had a great end of the season last year, but, I mean, can he really build off of it? Can Derrick Henry run like an animal the way he did last year? Or is he going to start to show some more wear and tear? The Jags are an absolute mess. And something close to a full rebuild, I think I would say. Um, I love the Colts draft, too, especially Michael Pittman Jr. Next to – he was probably – Duvernay was probably my second favorite receiver. I don't know if not, – not necessarily best receiver, in my opinion, but just my favorite to watch. Michael Pittman was number one for me, and my heart broke when they picked him when they did at top of the second Same. round because I really, I really wanted Michael Pittman. I really, really wanted Michael Pittman. Um, and then to grab Jonathan Taylor, who just is a animal at the running back position. Yeah, he's got some wear and tear, some tread on the tires, as they say. But I think you know, for them and to get someone, you know, to 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 pair with Mac, who. It's just okay. I mean, he's never really been bad, but I know he's been banged up a little bit here and there. So to have a strong running game to supplant Phillip Rivers, I think is really good. I like to Julian Blackman pick up, you know, out of Utah too. Um, 
you're just you're talking about two, especially the first two guys, instant impact rookies, and they arguably already had a third round or third first round pick because those guys could have probably potentially gone in the first round. You're talking about a, a another guy in DeForest Buckner who they picked up who gives a huge surge of of talent injected and injects it straight into that D line. So I mean, I think that's one that's that's really really really. Um, that's just a great move. Um, and then they're, they're, when you look at them, Vegas-wise, odds and odds-wise, they're tied for the 10th best win odds at nine in the news projections with teams like the Bills, Packers, Vikings, and Patriots, who are obviously all being talked about as potential Super Bowl teams. And you've got the strong running game. Uh, their GM, Ballard, is, is crushing it down there in Indianapolis or up there. Um, I love their receiver group. If, if Philip Rivers gets some good protection with a strong running game, um, defense always plays better than some of their parts under Matt Eberflus. So, I mean, I, I got to go with the Colts. I think in a seven-team playoff scenario, I, I don't see how they don't make it, to be honest, unless some other wildcard teams, maybe a Steelers, um, you know, some other guys really step up, maybe, you know, a, a Bills or, or Pats, whoever doesn't win that division. So I, I feel pretty good about that team. Jody, let me say this. One, we have not had anyone pick the Arizona Cardinals or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yet, so you have not offended anyone. And number two, you were the first guy to pick the Colts, and I love the pick, man. (laughs) I'm here for it. I love the pick. Um, Appreciate it. You're pretty prepared already. So you've taken the luster from this, man. I wanted to get you (laughs) off guard. You've just taken the the wind out of me right now. Who is your MVP pick, man, for this upcoming season? Uh, so this one is one I didn't really write a whole lot about. Um, the two guys with the best odds are Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Um, there's a reason they're the guys with the two best odds. I'm going to go a little bit homer here and say, give me Lamar Jackson. Give, give me the first repeat MVP. Mm. Hey, let's guys. go, what, baby. Peyton let's Manning, be impressive. Peyton Manning in 2009. I'm ready to put the cojones on the table right now because yes, sir. I don't think he's going to have to do as much as last year. Um, but you know what? There are five primetime games. There's a, there's a method to my madness, not just my homerism here. Um, there are five primetime games that the Ravens have from weeks, I want to say, 10 to 14. And I remember it this time last year, or that time last year, that was like kind of the heat of the MVP debate. There are four primetime games against the Browns at home to Cowboys, at Steelers Thanksgiving, and at Patriots. So, you know, if he really shows out in those games, he could distance himself from most of the pack, not named maybe Pat Mahomes um, and, yeah. and maybe one or two other guys. So, you know, I think that's part of it. Um, I, I definitely think that's part of it. You know, I think he's going to continue to improve as a passer. He's got a good schedule. He's not a sleeper this year to win it all like he was last year. There's an abbreviated offseason, so how much are they really going to be able to prepare for this guy? You know, especially if he has continued growth. The team continuity is crazy because they are going to be good, I think, really good. They're keeping Don Wink, Martindale at coordinator. They've got Greg Roman. John Harbaugh is obviously back. A ton of the roster is re-signed, ready to really make a run at this thing. This feels like their year, just like it was Pat Mahomes after winning the MVP two years ago to win the, win the whole thing last year. Um, so I, I just, I'm done betting against the guy. I think he's out for blood after that second playoff lo- loss. And as a Ravens fan, and even just trying to step back more objectively as an NFL fan, I'm just I'm done betting against Lamar Jackson. I mean, can he do it again? I don't know, but I'm not going to bet against it. I just I, can't I love do it. it. I love that pick, <laughs> yeah, man. I, 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 be, I, I believe that's uh, Bo. Uh, wait, was that your pick? No, bro? 
I don't. I think I took Pat Mahomes. Yeah, you did pay Matt, pay Matt Mahomes, but you you took. It's going to lead to our next question. Bo took the Ravens in the Super Bowl versus the Saints in his matchup. Um, so it comes to you, Jody. Who's who will the matchup be in the Super Bowl, man, and who wins it? So that's the thing. Um, I if you had told me several years ago I was going to do this, I would have told you. You know, past self would have told future self, you were nuts um, for this prediction. Why in the world did you go this route? Kind of going to go somewhat dark horse, but at the same time, probably not. I've got the Ravens over the Cowboys. Um, Damn, which seems that'd be crazy a good to me. game. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing. Cowboys year after year just never seem to live up to the hype because they are such a big market. They've got so many fans. The NFL does pander to them, obviously, in certain situations. And, and in a way, rightfully so, because they're, they're just a big market. Yeah. Um, but their skill positions, Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard even behind Zeke Elliott. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, who did wonders for me on my fantasy team in the spots last year. Um, and now you get C.D. Lamb, maybe the greatest run-after-catch guy in the past couple drafts. At the very least, it seems like in, in this draft, um, that's an unreal trio of receivers. That's a great running back room. Dak, I think, for whatever his flaws may be, I think he is plenty good enough to deliver a Super Bowl to Dallas. I loved them getting Andy Dalton as a back backup just in case. Their draft in general is great. Um, I liked the Trayvon Diggs, you know, pick the Gallimore pick. Um, I think it's Tyler Biotish who might be able to step in and, and give a strong, still a very good Dallas O line. You know, we have said that strength. name at least five different ways on this podcast, and that's the first I way I've heard <laughs> it said that time. I think it's Biotish from what I read, but who knows, man? You know who I'm talking about. Um, and then getting Jason Garrett the heck out of Dallas. Get that dude out of there. He turned down the Ravens job in twenty or two thousand eight before we hired John Harbaugh, thank God. I, I mean, I feel like every other time, and you can't put everything on the head coach, and I'm sure some of it is the, the madness of being the head coach for the Cowboys under under the Jones family, but just getting him out and getting some somebody new and, and getting Mike McCarthy, who's been there, he's won the Super Bowl, and to get a guy like that hopefully can can give some leadership back to the head coach position. And they're also in a weak division. You're talking about what last year was pretty, I would say, relatively objectively, the worst division in the NFL. How much better are they really going to get? The Giants, I know they've got Saquon, but Daniel Jones is still improving. Um, you know, Eagles are kind of an unknown. And then Redskins, I think they're projected to have one of the worst records in the NFL this year. So um, I just I feel good about their division. I feel good about their team. I feel good about their, in a way, even their leadership, or at least a, a, a renewal of leadership. And can Mike McCarthy take them in his first year the whole, the whole way? I don't know. He's going to have a ton of pressure to do so because this roster is loaded. Their defense has got a ton of great guys on it. Um, I mean, they even signed, didn't they sign Alden Smith? So, I mean, maybe he comes back in some weird way and has an impact, which I thought was fascinating. Um, I can't wait to see how that I turns just, out. Yeah, man, you're talking about a guy. Apparently, apparently like, he's in amazing shape right now. Well, that's I mean, what that's, they all say. That, yeah, that's weight room. I mean, <laughs> anybody, any of those GM guys walk up in there in their little Ralph Lauren shirt, and they see Alan Smith bench pressing 400, they're going to be like, wow, he's a freak. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, like, until he goes out there and throws an offensive lineman a tackle out of his way and makes a big sack, I'm not going to be, like, fully sold right. on, his, on how, where he's at. I like it. Uh Jody, that is such an interesting matchup in the Super Bowl, man. But it's one that I would be overly excited about. Oh, the, it would be one of the most watched Super Bowls ever. With oh, the oh my! Right. Lamar Jackson versus the Cowboys. I mean, yeah. come on! Break man. all yeah. kinds of ratings. That would records. be absolutely. It'd be fun, man. I think so, it would be fun. So, who's your pick for it? 
Oh, well, I, you know, again, I got to go Ravens. Just hey, like love- Mahomes exercised the demons after his MVP season two years ago, becomes a super young guy to win it and then turns around and wins the Super Bowl. I think Lamar Jackson is like, all right, guys, I'm tired of hearing I can't do it in the playoffs after two games, two game sample size. Get out of here with that. How long did it take Peyton Manning to exercise this? Oh, God, no one, you know, See, here's the guy thing. It, break. It's recency bias. No one ever wants to think about times when, you know, Peyton Manning couldn't get in, was was losing the playoffs or either couldn't get in the playoffs. No one ever wants to think about that. People just don't understand that this happens to a lot of great players. So, so I, I'm with you on it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Football's a so, team yeah. sport. Ravens Football's a team. Lamar Jackson didn't let up 185 rushing yards. You know what I mean? Like it's not that's yeah, on the defense. It's, it's football. There's there's eleven starters on each side of the ball for a reason. It's, it's not all about one player. Oh yeah, one well, and, and to that credit or to your point too, Bo. I mean, Lamar did a lot in that game in garbage time. He did make some mistakes. He threw a couple picks against the Titans. He fumbled, but his team let him down too. I mean, they got absolutely manhandled. I mean, the stiff arm on Earl Thomas from you know who was talking crap by the way before the game on Derrick Henry was almost all too fitting. For, for a game going down the, the you know what, um, you know, to have six drops by the receivers, which was very uncharacteristic um, for most of those guys. The offensive line was not protecting particularly well. And it's just the team let Lamar Jackson down in that game at least as much as he made mistakes himself. So, yeah, and I think true. he made mistakes because he was trying to do too much. He was trying to do too much with the young offense. Um, banged up Mark Ingram, banged up Mark Andrews, I believe, as well. So, I mean, I just – let's exercise some demons in 2020. I love it, man. Jody, I have had an absolute blast listening to you break down your thoughts on your team, man. And you were an amazing guest. 12 out yeah. of 10, man. 12 out of 10. <laughs> That's my rating for you as a guest, man. I had so much fun. Appreciate it, man. You got to get out um, there and start putting out some Ravens content, man. That's what I'm saying, man. man we'll we just need to have you man. a Ravens podcast, man. Just, you know, me and Bo just hop on there, man. We'll be your guests. Um, oh, yeah. But, well, hey, bring me back anytime, man. This is a hey, ton man, of fun for me, what too. We're gonna do, it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. What we're going to do is uh, when we have a Ravens game, but we talk about a whole lot in the season, we're going to bring you back on. We're going to get you back on here, man. Uh, I've had so much fun. You know your stuff, man. You are the data guest that we have had. (laughs) I had so much more, too, man. I spared you guys a little bit. So I love the numbers, man. I love it. Uh, Bo, give everybody your plug, man. Let them know where to find you at. Oh yeah, you can find yeah, Jody. It's been a blast. It's been good. Been good talking to you again, man. It's it's been it's been absolute. I'm really glad I asked you to come on. I knew it was going to work out the whole time. I had tenfold had faith in you to bring to come to the table ready to go, and you and you delivered wholeheartedly. So I appreciate you for coming on and 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 coming so prepared with the guns fully loaded for us. Um, <laughs> but um, I uh, yeah, and well, you can find me on Twitter at uh, tsrbo uh, capital tsr uh, lowercase b e a u um and you can find me on stillcurtain.com. I do contributing writing for them. I just had an article come out yesterday, I believe, uh, on the four biggest holes in the Steelers roster for this season. And so you can go over there and uh, give me some clicks on that. That'd be great. Guys, please go follow me on Twitter at Scouting LLC. Again, I've got to get my followers up. I'm trying to get the followers trophy from Bo to see who gets to 1,000 followers first. Oh, you're losing. So, so please, yeah, I know I'm losing, Bo. Please, everybody, go follow me. Uh, everybody, please go follow TSR on Instagram at scouting underscore LLC. Also, please go follow Blitzalytics and go follow 
Blitz, uh, go follow Blitzletics on Twitter at Blitzletics and go visit Blitzletics.com. Go to the members tab, find Jacob Patterson, check out the scouting reports that I have written and some of the articles that I have done. Um, also, everybody, please go check out Bo's articles. This man kills it on the articles. He does a great Thank job. You. I read all of them. So, so big props to Bo. He does a great job with that. Please go give him some love. Um, also, Jody, again, man, it was great having you on. Bo and myself had an absolute blast. And I will say, Bo has never been this confident in a guest coming on. So he made me feel fantastic, man. Plus, I'm, well, I'm you, you, you did he Y'all didn't know you, blessed, so he was man. like, who is this guy? And like, does he really know his stuff? Like, we, we got to have good guests. And like the other ones, uh, he knew, though, you know, like I'd suggested like Pete Costapanagiotis for the first fan episode. And Pete came prepared and knew his stuff too. Like, but Jacob knew Pete, you know, he didn't, he didn't know yeah, you. Yeah. But I, so I, mean, I told Bo, I was, I was like, this you, guy's man. got it. Yeah, and Jody, you knock, you knock my socks <laughs> off, man. I loved it, man. But uh, everybody, please go subscribe to TSR. Go give us a follow and just hit that subscribe button. Peace out, everybody. Till the next episode. TSR out. You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in. This is the TSR pop where all we do is win. It's just football fiends on a mission delivering opinions of mass significance. Man, I hope you've been listening. Cause scouting is the business. You're welcome cause it's a privilege. Most people in this position just don't give it away, no. All that's left to say now is welcome to the show. Cause you know Jacob and Ball, we're ready, so let's go. Well, I got to get it, put it in you. Feeling with the feeling, don't stop, continue.